ask you guys spiritual accountability questions every week. Ask you about reading your Bible. You spend time with God alone. Sharing God's stories with people. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, talents, and resources? Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Have you invited someone to church with you? And are you living the faith? In other words, are you, each one of us, reaching someone and teaching them what it means to be a follower of Christ? And so with those accountability questions each week, I ask you, would you please respond to those? If you've done all of those this week, would you just say yes? If you haven't, would you just begin to pray and ask God to help you? Because the whole point of that is that we would be living the faith. This isn't a guilt complex thing. It's not a thing of duty or responsibility or religious activity. It's a relationship with God that God has invited us into that he wants us to have an experience with him. So we don't want you confused to think that you have like a duty box that you have to fill and become religiously obligated to do those things. This is about a relationship. So when Kim and I got married, it'll be, uh, I think it's yeah, 36 years next month that we were married. And um, in that process of that wedding, we gave each other rings. And uh, I want you to understand that the ring that she wears in her hand and the one that I wear in my hand, uh, not only is a message to people around us, it's a message to ourselves. It's a reminder that's always with us. And in a wedding ceremony that I would perform, I would tell you, this is to go with you to remind you that you belong to someone. And it's also a reminder that someone belongs to you. It's what a relationship is. When we agreed to this relationship, there, were, uh, there are boundaries and rules and regulations that come with this. And we willingly, knowingly engaged upon that relationship together 36 years ago. Now, I also want to tell you that neither one of us had a clue what that really meant. And... So in the first couple years, there was a lot of tension because what I thought was she needed to learn how to be a good wife, and I was going to teach her. <laughs> I'm just telling you that you exactly know why there was tension, all right? And the whole while, she was trying to change me and make me a good husband, which happened rather quickly. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> I didn't see her over there. She, I don't know where she is, so she doesn't even know what I'm saying unless she's in the room. I don't know where she went. Anyway, yeah, she, every, she always knows anyway, so it's okay. So my point in that is, is this, man, that when we entered into this relationship, we understood that there were boundaries and expectations, but we really didn't understand them fully until we began to live them. And as you grow in that relationship, um, no longer is it like the do's and the don'ts, it's not. It's not. You're not finding like, oh, I can't do that or I don't do this. No, you don't even think to do that and you don't want to do that. It's because this is what matters. So I want to encourage you and say that, you know, when we started a walk with God in his relationship through Jesus Christ, it has boundaries. It has rules. It's based in love and it's a commitment. Many of us, when we start this relationship with God, are pretty clueless. We just know we're broken and we need something. So we run into his arms. He forgives us. We feel love for the first time, and it's amazing. And so then we're pretty clueless as we're trying to find ourselves. And we're trying to figure out where we fit and how this works. But as you walk with God, you begin to understand that it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's all about a relationship based in love. And it's the most incredible thing because it's what we were made for. Amen. God made us for that. So when we begin to experience God in a true relationship, it's no longer about duty. It's no longer like, 
you know, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I told you I loved you this morning. Uh, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. And, uh, you know, like, you do what you got to do. And I got, no, it's nothing like that. So as I walk with my wife through life and we experience life together, the relationship that we have becomes more and more real and more and more amazing. And because, for one thing, it's not based upon feelings or what you can do for me. It's based purely on love, and it's an incredible relationship. And I want you to know that that mirrors this amazing relationship with God so incredibly that when I walk with God, I just, it's, I'm like amazed and excited about what else can happen in this relationship. And, uh, and so as you're going wherever you are in that thing, I want you to know there are rules and regulations. There are boundaries, but it's all in love. And if you're bound up in the do's and the don'ts, just stop, relax, and just love God. Let him love you. And he will set you free from the, the, the burdens of the boundaries. And so as I was sharing with someone this week, and they were, they were looking at um, our accountability questions, and they actually were talking to my wife and I about it, um, they were being a little bit discouraged by our accountability questions. And I, I'll explain to you why. They were in the last service. They're not here, and I'm not going to use their name. But I, I, it was a really uh, good thing for me to hear. Uh, this lady was saying, you know, I've told people, but she just started in our church in December. She's made a commitment to Christ. She's doing amazing. But, you know, she was like, well, I'm telling my friends about Jesus. I'm inviting them to come to church with us. Nobody's coming. I haven't reached anybody. I'm not teaching anybody. I'm a failure, and I don't even know what to do differently. What do I have to change in my life? I'm like, you don't have to change anything. You're doing incredible. All right? This isn't about you saving someone. You can't. None of us can. Only Jesus can save people. So the idea of each one of us reaching someone, teaching them is that I am living my faith, loving people with Christ's love, and I'm showing them what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's what it means. Then God will redeem people as only he can through those amazing moments where the Holy Spirit calls them into relationship just like he did with me and you. So don't let it become a burden or guilt-driven thing that you feel like you have to do certain things. Live for Jesus. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit empower and live through you, and you will impact people around you, and God expects that to happen through you. Amen. Church, He loves you. He has an amazing plan, and you're it. And God wants to redeem Tucson, and you're the ones that are going to do it. Amen. Ain't God amazing? So... Let's, let's understand something. We came from brokenness. We talked about it last, last week. God uses broken people. God uses people from dark places. God uses people with terrible paths. Some of even screwed up presents. He uses us when we surrender to him and we have faith in him because God himself is the one that does it. So as we think about that, we need to recall in our hearts and our minds that God is not intimidated by our brokenness. He is not intimidated by our past. He's not like not wanting to put his name on you because you're a piece of work. He died to put his name on you because you're a piece of work and he wants you to become his piece of work. So like that's, this moment of surrender is all about Jesus always and it's not about me. Now, 
as we were going to pray for Darlin Vivek, we're going to pray for our city. We're going to ask God to do something significant. We have been sensing the move of God, the spirit of God. You guys have been responding amazingly. God is up to something, and I want to be part of that something. And so he has been teaching me, showing me, as I graduate from kindergarten in my faith, and I'm moving into first grade, it's like God is like, look, Dave, I want to show you something. Throughout this day, God has been revealing things to me and challenging me. And to do that, I, I want to challenge you. We've been teaching about the spirit-led life. We've looked at scriptures that tell us that Satan comes as an angel of light to deceive the world. He doesn't appear as some demonic dark thing. He comes as Godness. He comes as false light. He comes to deceive people and get them to believe lies and untruths about faith and God. And he deceives the world. Uh, Vivek was just telling you, you know, how many millions and billions or whatever gods they have in India. All of that is behind one source, Satan. And it's all a lie and a masquerading spirit that deceives people. And involved with that is the spirit of darkness himself and demonic influence, demonic manifestations. They reveal themselves in their culture. Darla, Darla and Vivek themselves have engaged with those spirits in that culture. I want you to know, church, that the spirit of darkness is very present, very real, and very active. And he doesn't show himself in our culture very frequently because he has deceived us into not believing in the spirit world. Our culture is all about the intellect. We talked about this last week, a few weeks ago. We're not about the mystical. We'd rather process things. We follow the, the Greek way of, of educating ourselves, And so it's about the intellect and it's not about the spirit. And so what is happening in our country instead is we're being deceived by the spirit of darkness through manipulation of lies, but at the same time, in our spiritual hunger, we have fallen victim to false teachings, false truths, and false gods. And here in our own city, where I don't know the percentage of Christians, I do know that in as... Uh, Dal and Vivek were sharing with you that in Badami, there's less than 1% of the population are Christian. I do know that in Tucson, that we made the top 10 list of the most unchristian cities in America of a population over 100,000. That our heritage here in Tucson as a city and as a entity was based in brokenness, drunkenness, sex slavery, abuse, uh, alcoholism, addiction, and false religion. That's our history. Tucson has never been a Christian city throughout its existence. As Vivek was sharing with you that their city is 1,800 years old and it's never had a Christian church in it, I want you to know that the history of your city, Tucson, Arizona, is very similar in the sense that it is, has embedded and birthed in darkness and it has a very checkered history. Therefore, today, as we look into the Word of God, and as we ask God to move here in Tucson, we are asking God to unseat the spirit of darkness that has reigned here, to break the shackles and the chains that we were singing about, 
And we're asking God to set Tucson free in the revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is not a God, but that he is God. In worship this morning in the first service, as preparing heart for worship, knowing what God was saying today in my heart and then listening, God brought to me to Daniel chapter 10 that is not in my notes to preach on but it was in worship that we did and as I was praying because in my daily prayers uh, I pray for uh, Darla and Vivek and uh, God's plan for them and their ministry and they've been trying to open up a school buy some property and build a school as you know we have the change jar out there and ask you to throw your change in there to change Badami and help them to build that school And there's been hindrances coming from the state departments and the government trying to say they need this, that, and the other thing and not allowing them to buy the property and start a school. People within the community desire the school because they have a preschool and the children are loved and cared for and the parents see it. It's created opportunities for them to share Jesus. And they've asked them to start a school. They have a list of parents that are saying, if you open a school, we will send our children. We're talking about Hindu people that see the difference in their lives knowing there's a Jesus something happening. Now then, as the spirit of darkness discourages that, here's Dave entering the picture with you. I've been praying with you and with them that God would open this door and it continues to get pushed off. And so... In my logical thinking, I'm like, well, it must not be God's time yet, even though I feel and I sense that it needs to happen yesterday. Dave, like, thinks that about everything. You know, I I want everything now, and I want God to move now, and I want everybody in Tucson saved today. And so then there's this battle of my mind, like, you want this. What does God want? Step back. Stay out of it. God, do your thing. And today, God was showing me, like, it's okay to get up in it and be aggressive about what God wants to do. Because every single day, there are people that don't know Jesus that need to, that are not having the opportunity because this school and ministry opportunity is not being available to them. And so when I read in the book of Daniel, and you know this story if you read your Bible, and if you don't, I want to tell you it's in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel's a man of God. He is such a man of God that he's living in a pagan land under a pagan people serving the almighty God of the Bible. And because he's staying true to the truth of God's word and who God is, God elevates him in those foreign places and gives him a seat of honor where he can speak God's word to these pagan kings and these opportunities. Now Daniel is praying And he's asking God specifically about something. And he's fasting. And he's seeking God. Church, are you fasting and seeking God for your lost loved ones and for the city of Tucson? Daniel's fasting. And he's asking God something. Now we have this incredible privilege to look into this spiritual conflict and this spiritual engagement that is in Daniel chapter 10. And when the answer from heaven comes, it comes in the form of a physical messenger of God, an angel, who comes to Daniel to deliver the message. 
And we are privileged to read in that scripture that he says, Daniel, you, your prayers were heard the first day and I was sent to you with the answer. But it's 21 days later. And this is what that messenger says, that when I was coming, the prince of Persia did hinder me. Pagan land, pagan darkness, pagan spiritual powers and entities. So the messenger of God is coming to Daniel with the answer. And the pagan spirits of darkness are warring and trying to stop the message of God to get to the man of God. And in the midst of that conflict, there is a spiritual battle that took place. And we can read it in God's word. And this is what the messenger says. That prince of Persia hindered me, but God sent Michael. We know him. He appears in scriptures a few times. The archangel who came to help me. And therefore I am here with the answer to your prayer. Church, I want you to know that in pagan places where God has not been allowed to be God, there is spiritual darkness and it is powerful and it can hinder, it cannot stop. God is greater, God is stronger, our God is God, but in pagan places, in spirit of darkness, there is a war that is taking place. Therefore, not only is there a war taking place in Badami, India, but there's a war taking place in Tucson, Arizona. Because this place is covered by a spirit of darkness and it is held and fought against the spirit of God moving here. But until we are willing to step into the gap and stand for the power of God in the power of God and be the power of God in the presence of darkness, no breakthrough will happen until we, the church, become we, the redeemed, in the power of the spirit, proclaiming the truth, living the truth, and being the church. Therefore, this day, as we pray for Darlene Vivek as a church, in each of these services, we are praying against that spirit of darkness that is inhibiting the work of God. We are going to pray that God breaks that thing and allows that to happen. And we're going to take some risk faith out of our comfort zone and ask God to do it now. Church, we need this to happen now. This is, there's souls that are going on in eternity that don't know Jesus. It's happening in our streets. It's happening there. We need to move and we need God to move and he wants to move through us. All right? So I'm going to ask Darlene Viva to come back up here in the front. You're going to stand down there on the floor. If you would, please. Their kids are in the children's church and nursery. They have four children now. Great family. So awesome. Is, is my wife here in the room somewhere? I got you. Okay, so she left me. All right. <clears throat> she loves me. She's getting ready for these guys, so that's what's happening. She's been here for the other two services. Um, hey, would you guys extend your hand towards our brother and sister here? Father, in the name of Jesus, first off, we release and we ask protection over them. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would just put an umbrella covering not only them over them, but their children and the ministry in Badami and what you are doing. Father, we ask you to release your power through them. Give them wisdom and discernment and understanding of what needs to be done, what needs to be said, what to do and what not to do. 
who it is they need to talk to and what you're going to do as God in the name of Jesus we your people agree with them that we break the strongholds of the enemy in Jesus name over Badami India and that God we ask you to release those things that need to be released that this school and this property might come to be and God we pray for those that have the finances to make it happen that you would just release them break the bondage that they have over them that the funds might flow in and that the school might happen that we might see you being glorified through lives being transformed in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray this. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you. I want you to know that uh, that is a man and woman of God right there. <laughs> you are. And we're blessed to know you. Many years ago, my wife and I were at a pastor's uh, retreat. And it was the first time we ever met Darlene Vivek. And it was a long time ago. And um, when they were standing up there being introduced on the platform, the Spirit of God, like, absolutely just put in my heart, like, a thing only God can do. And um, he showed me some things about them and just said, you need to get them to your church. You need to pray for them. That's a man and woman of God, and they need protection, and they are warriors, and they're battle on the front line, and we need to support them. And you guys have been amazing doing that, and I'm honored to tell you that um, they're being faithful to God in the midst of all that that's going on around them. And I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you, church, to understand something. That as the Word of God says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That, and Jesus giving this command, it's called the Great Commission in Matthew 28. When we lay our hands on Darla and Vivek and we send them over to India and we say, go and be the, the hands and feet of Jesus and love those people, we recognize that they are missionaries, that uh, Vivek grew up in that culture. That's his homeland. He is from India, but Darla's from here. And as she goes into that place, she understands that God has taken her and placed her with the man of God that she, he has for her. And they've become one in that culture that they might be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now you saw that Darla was wearing Indian clothing. She wasn't raised that way. She didn't wear that stuff over here in San Diego, right? She doesn't. But because God has called them there and asked them to be his hands and feet and serve in those communities, the Spirit of God is working through them. And we in the church, which rightfully call them missionaries, and we see them as called by God and ministers. I want you to know, church, today that you are dressed like your culture. You know their language. You've been called by God to be missionaries in Tucson, Arizona. That God has called you, he's equipped you, and you're his plan for redeeming Tucson, just like they are his plan to redeem Badami, India. It cannot happen without you. It will not happen without them. Is God able? Yes. But God has said, I'm doing it through you. You're the one. Do you remember when Moses was there? We went through that in Exodus last week in chapters 3 and 4. Not me. I can't. Who am I? I can't talk right. I'm just somebody else. No, it's you. Church, we need to understand that as we view Tucson, Arizona, the hope of Tucson is you. We need to own it. 
And since God has said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations and all people, teaching them these things, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I'm with you always to the ends of the age. Jesus has said, church, I want you to go out there and be the church. We need to see a revival in Tucson that happens in the church. Revivals are for the church. Just to clarify something, it's the people of God that need reviving. We're the ones on life support. They're dead. The world is dead. They don't know Jesus. We need revival because the Spirit of God needs to breathe life in us that we might go out there and give that life to those dead people that don't know Him. That happens because we live and breathe the gospel because we are the gospel of Jesus Christ, the living word. Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. We've read these scriptures over and over and over. We're going to keep doing it. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Do you have power? Has the Holy Spirit come upon you? If he has not, then you need to come forward. Let us lay hands on you and pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you. The Word of God says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. Let's not complicate it. All right? You're not supposed to like learn 10 verses to quote to people. Just tell them about Jesus. Go in the power of God. Let the Spirit use you and tell your God stories, your God stories, God's stories of the Bible and share them with the people God opens the door with. And this is what he tells them. You're going to do this everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So it's Tucson, Pima County, Arizona, United States, and Badami, India. All over. The Spirit of God says, you're going to do that for me. So, church, I mean, um, I don't know about you, but I haven't heard anything on any of the local news stories. Nobody's sent out a tweet or... Facebook page that says, you know, we're experiencing a move of God in Tucson, Arizona. I haven't seen that yet. Why not? So is God. Why not? So let's do something about it. And so I'm going to ask you this. Why not me? Would you say that? Why not you? God has already called you. God has already equipped you. God has placed His Spirit within you. Why not you? Why not us? Why not here and why not now? Man, I've read it in history. I read it in Acts 2. I read it in Acts 4. I read it throughout the book of Acts. I see it in the epistles of Paul. I read it in church history. I've read about things. I've heard about stuff. Why not now? Why not right here? Why not through us? God, break us and use us. Let's see Tucson transformed. You got empty seats around you. Those are for your family. Those are for your neighbors. Those are for the people that you work with, go to school with, buy coffee from. That's what those seats are for right there. And you know how they're going to fill them? Because you're going to tell God's stories to them. You're going to live in such a way that they're saying like, what's going on with you? What's happening in your life? Why are you smiling? Why do you seem like you're always happy? It's different with you. You used to be a jerk when you came in here. Now you're nice. What's up? Yeah. Come on. Change. Transformation. 
Jesus tells us that people are going to notice because we're different. If they're not noticing, what are we doing wrong? This is what Jesus said in Matthew 5. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Can I just tell you that you don't become a Christian to become popular? You don't become a Christian to be um, uh, culturally acceptable? Uh, You become a Christian to be a Christ follower, and being a Christ follower is countercultural, and uh, people aren't going to like you. But I just want you to please let me speak into your life here for a second. They already don't like you. (laughs) They're already talking about you. They are making jokes about you. They don't really like you because they don't like themselves. And so when you look at the word of God and Jesus tells us, like, when you're my followers and they're laughing at you, they're making fun of you, they're telling lies about you, this is what he tells us, be happy about it. It's right there in the scriptures. Are you seeing it? Be happy about it. Be very glad. Man, that means your life is doing something. Right? Stop living for their approval. You don't have it. The same people that will pat you on the back and say how great you are will boo you tomorrow. All you Cardinals fans should know that. For a great... Stay focused. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot is worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Man, church, what are people seeing in you? We're supposed to stand out in the crowd because we're following Christ. And it's not about what we say. What we say should be how we live. So don't think, I'm just going to live it and not say anything. You need to live it and say. But don't say and not live. Just shut up, please, if you're not living it. Because you're doing more damage to the kingdom of God than any good. All right, so we need to be the people of God living as the people of God. That's not a... That wasn't meant to, like, stop you. It's meant to challenge us to become, to step into what God is asking us to step into. If you're trying to be everyone's friend and not offend anyone, you've offended your creator. He loves you, and he's called you, and he's given you his name. That's an amazing thing. You know, I don't think it's a small thing at all that my wife took off the name Gabbert and put the name Dahlberg on her name. I mean, you know, we, we're raised in a culture where that used to be just normally accepted. And, and when I view that and I look at how Jesus talks about the church, like being like the bride, it's like such an amazing thing because what my wife agreed to was saying, you know, I'll no longer be called this. I'll be identified through you. That's a significant thing. And so then when I now put that in the perspective of Christianity, where Jesus says that, you know, like wives submit to your husband, that like the church does to God. See, what we've done is I'm no longer Dave Dahlberg. I'm now 
a follower of Jesus Christ, and I bear the name Christian. Therefore, I have received this name from him, his identity, and I need to live like that. Like, I need to live like that. That people might know who my father is by how I live. (laughs) Know my heritage because of who I am. If I'm, listen church, if I'm living like the world, talking like the world, engaging in the lifestyle of the world, why would anyone think they ever needed my Jesus? I mean, it's like, come on. We're supposed to be different, and we're not. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ as a whole in the United States of America. Every time they do surveys and stats and all that stuff, it's like we mirror culture. What in the world? Are you kidding me? The word of God says that we're supposed to be different. Listen to what we are written in the book of Colossians chapter three. Listen to this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits on the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See how there's that disappearance of Dave? The appearance of Christ. That's what he's talking about right here, right? Okay, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Let me read that again. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. You know that stuff that stirs in you? That stuff that like calls you into ungodness, into sin, into brokenness, into my false identities, all that stuff. This is what we're told to do. Kill it. Put it off. That is no longer you. Stop allowing that brokenness to live within you. That is not who you are. It's right there. Put it to death. That's not me. I'm not that Dave. You're not that person. Come on. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these things, these sins, the anger of God is coming. A loving, amazing God is also an angry God, and He is a righteous God, and He does not want to put up with our junk. Come on. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. See that? You used to do these things. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's so amazing. He's like, I don't care 
what your history is. None of that matters. Even if you were a barbarian, whatever you used to be doesn't matter. We're all one in Christ today. Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Come on, man. Get over yourselves. Stop walking out thinking about the people that didn't shake your hand, someone that didn't smile at you, someone that had the same shirt as you and kind of gave you that eye. Like, like, (laughs) get over it. He says, don't let anything offend you. Just forgive them. Even if they're just having a bad day. So what? Come on, man. We're supposed to be loving each other. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. This this word says there's things you used to be like. You're no longer like that. If some of that stuff's still crawling around inside you, get rid of it. If somebody's bugging you, love them and forgive them. I mean, it's pretty simple stuff here, right? This is what living the Christian faith is all about. Here's the thing, church. You need to strip off some of that junk that you're carrying with you. Do you see that? Stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Stop with the junk, man. Stop making excuses for your sin. It's not okay to sleep around. Come on. It's not okay. It's not okay. Stop giving yourself away. Give yourself to God. Let him heal and fix you. And then in his time, he'll bring you the right person. But if you keep messing around with the wrong people, God can't even do what he's trying to do. So knock it off. Put put that stuff off. That's not who you are. God has something better for you. All right. So there's a responsibility on us to change, right? Get some of, us, some of our old stuff behind us. Those of us who are followers of Christ cannot live the same old way. We can't do the same old things. We can't talk the same old language. We cannot be the same old person. So if we aren't different and people aren't talking about the change, and if you haven't lost a lot of your language, I lost half my, lang- my, my vocabulary when I got saved. And if, and if you haven't lost yours, you need to talk to Jesus about that and read James chapter 3. Just, just a little hint there to help you, okay? All right, so you should lose that language. You don't need it. You need to live your life different the way God's called you to. You need to put off the sin that used to own you because that doesn't own you anymore. And you need to embrace the Holy Spirit in your life so that others see it. All right, this is the whole point of this. God wants to, he wants you to understand. First off, church, let's, let's deal with one of the main issues of the church. That's forgiveness. We are told, I mean, in, right after that prayer, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, following that up, Jesus said, you know, you need to forgive like the Father forgives you. You got to do the same thing. Here the Apostle Paul says it again. Hey, remember, forgive one another. So I, I just want to, let's just pause here for a minute. And who are you not forgiving? Who is it that you're holding on to right now that you have not forgiven? That's not okay. It's not okay. And and so whoever it is or whatever happened, you need to forgive them. Okay, the first thing that we usually think right there is, but you don't know what they did. (laughs) 
Okay, I don't know what they did. I don't know anything about it. But God does. And he says, you have to forgive them. That does not set them free from what they've done. God will deal with them. But you must forgive them. And when we forgive them, it releases us from that. So God is saying, you need to forgive. So my question to you, church, is who do you need to forgive? And if you were the offender, who do you need to ask to forgive you? Because probably most of us have offended someone in a way that we need to ask forgiveness. We have. We can't just ignore that. God says he forgives us the same way we forgive others. And so if we're going to really be where God wants us to be, there needs to be forgiveness. The problem in many relationships, I was speaking of marriage earlier, uh, my wife and I, is if you don't forgive, you'll never keep a relationship. You cannot have it. Look, I want you to know this. If you're a married couple today, if there's anything you have not forgiven your spouse of, you have written the divorce papers already. I'm telling you, unless you release them and you forgive, you will never maintain a relationship in unforgiveness. Come on. It's God's word. Wake up. Forgiveness. And we need to release that and we need to accept that and be right where God wants us to be. Church, here's one of the biggest things I hear people say. I'm not ready. I can't. I will. I'm trying. None of that is truth. You either will or you won't. You are or you're not. So do it. Quit and hold on to your junk. Say yes to Jesus. Forgive them and give it to them because forgiveness is not an option. It's not something you need to prepare yourself for. God's not out there psyching himself up, hoping you come up and ask forgiveness. So he's like, I need to be willing. I need to be ready in case they ask. He's not like that. God has already poured out forgiveness for you. He's waiting for you to accept it. That's the way we have to be, church. The same exact way. It's not something we work into, convince ourselves of. It's just something we do. It's called love. (laughs) So, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? So when you tell me yes, and those of you who didn't say yes, I want to explain this to you so you can become one. When we say we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we understand that I was a sinner. I needed a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. I repented of my sin and my brokenness. I accepted Him as my Lord and Savior, and I know that I'm forgiven of my sin. That's what that means. So if you don't know Jesus, you need to today. We invite you to know Him personally experience his amazing forgiveness in your life and begin an incredible journey with him of the Christian life. Those of you that said yes and you are walking with him, I want to ask you something. Are people talking about you being different? Yes. Yes. All the time. All right. All right. So are you talking about you being different for Jesus or because you're different? Because if they're not talking about you being different for Jesus, you can come right here and pray, and he'll help you. And that's for the rest of y'all, too. Okay? So 
when the, we read the word of God, he says that you're different and people are talking about it. And it's like, it's all about Jesus and we know the difference. And I love you, brother. And I know you're good with it. So I may not do that with everybody, but I'll do it with him. So, so are you, are you, are they talking about you and is what they're saying that you are one of those are you this they're one of those god people or christians or church people or you know they're holier than thou and they're all these are they talking about you like that if they are he says be glad and rejoice because that means you're really living the faith if everybody thinks you're their friend you got a problem just being for real here right what is it that god wants to do or god wants you to do or not do in your life what is it because God either wants you to do something or not do something all the time. <laughs> he does. Because he's calling us into this relationship of surrender so that we can get to be like God. Not be God, but be like God. We just read that in the scriptures, right? So we're being transformed into Christ's likeness as we grow in our faith. Or as we grow in our faith, whichever way you're sitting. I don't mean to say you guys are the outcasts. I'm just saying as we grow in our faith in Christ's likeness, then God's always asking us to either do something or not do something in order to be more like God, to look more like God, to be Christ-like. So what's happening? What's he talking to you about? This goes back to our accountability question. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Because he's talking and he's trying to do something about transformation in us put to death that stuff that's been there because it doesn't belong there and to be able to live the faith. So who do you need to forgive? Is there anyone? Do you have someone you need to forgive? If there is, today's the day. You need to do it. Do you need to ask someone to forgive you? If there is, today's the day. Church, the only way Tucson's going to change is through us. The only way it's going to happen is when we repent. The only way it's going to happen is if we're living the Christian faith. So let's embrace all that God has for us and to be that people. Would you stand with me? This altar's open. You know exactly where you are. You know what you need. And I ask you to be obedient to the Spirit of God in the area of which He is speaking to you about. So with everybody's eyes up and looking around at everybody else, if you cannot make a response to God in front of people in church you'll never survive in the world so as we keep our eyes open i'm asking you to be obedient to the spirit of god and whatever reason you need to come forward you come and deal with god right where you are where he's calling you and talking to you about it if you need jesus this is the time to meet him you just come forward and i want to introduce him to you in a personal and real way if you know him and you're walking in this truth of the spirit of god's movement man so good isn't it God's amazing. Thank you to every one of you that are responding and moving. God knows exactly what's going on and where you're at and what you need. And he's already provided it for you. It's, it's that simple. It's by faith. We simply respond. We react to him. We say yes to him. We release that stuff. And God says he does the work within us. And so if we let God do that work within us, we are being made new, transformed, uh, changed whatever it is that God's doing it's happening right now right in front of your very eyes church there are people that are being transformed by the power and the glory of God through the power of the Holy Spirit as he releases people right here from any bondages brokenness sin past unforgiveness all that stuff as God sets you free I want you to know every one of you you are free 
You need to accept that freedom in Christ by faith right now. Would you accept that? Every one of you at the altar, would you look up at me right now? It's not about me. It's about him. But you've got to receive it. So right now, will you say yes to him and say, I receive that? Amen. Amen. Then take it. He's given it to you. He's offered it to you right now. And as we receive that, we stand up and we live in that newness that God has given to us in our life. And then share with somebody here today what God has just done in your life what he's doing for you and what he has for you and then go and do it out there this week go do it with your family the people you work with let them know that something happened in your life and god did it come on man that's what it's all about amen all right we're dismissed let's get out of here let's go live that faith man god bless you thank you amen amen